Don't keep score. Don't keep score. Because if you're keeping score, that means that you're doing it tit for tat, right? You're doing it for your, whatever it is you're doing, you're doing is the expectation is that they're gonna then do something in return. But you shouldn't be thinking of it like that. You should be doing it because you're trying to do something for them. So if you're constantly thinking, what can I do to make life better for this other person? That's not keeping score. And that's a healthier way to think about it. Rather than how come I'm always doing this for you and you're never doing this for me? Hello and hola friends. Welcome to the Medicine, Marriage, and Money podcast, the only podcast for dual physician couples who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a stronger and more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, and a life coach, Dr. Kate Mangona. Welcome. Bienvenidos. Please help me welcome today's guest on medicine, marriage, and money, Dr. Bradley Block. He is an ENT surgeon, and I met Bradley through the Doctor Podcast Network, where he hosts the Physician's Guide to Doctoring, a podcast where in every episode, he answers the burning question, what you should have learned while you were memorizing the Krebs cycle. So Dr. Block is a loving father to three children, ages two, three, and five, and the supportive husband to a wife of six years who has recently found her passion for baking. So today we're going to be discussing everything about parenting and how he fell in love and what it's like to be uh, you know, a, a physician with three kids and at one point, three kids under so tell us the systems you had in place and welcome Dr. Bradley Block. Amazing, amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that warm welcome and the wonderful applause. It's great to be here. I've been looking forward to this a while and uh, I love the work that you're doing on the podcast. Oh, thank you. Well, just tell me, tell us a little bit about like where you live and what you're currently up to. So we live on Long Island, which is where we, where I grew up. My wife actually grew up in Switzerland. Her dad's American, her mom's Swiss, and we met, um, we met online. We met on Match.com. People, I don't know if they still use Match.com, but um, uh, I would always tease her that as a young girl growing up in Zurich, she would, she would dream of the day she'd move to Queens, um, because when I first met her, we. She lived in Manhattan, right? Which is sex in the city. That's what she knew. She knew it from sex in the city and friends. It was amazing. And and then I'm like, you know, we're we're not gonna live here forever. Come come check out Queens. So yeah. So we lived there for a while. We didn't live there forever, but we lived in Long Island City. So for those who know New York, Long Island City, you know, we were living right on the water in these nice apartments with a skyline view. It was it was great. It was great. It's not like you know, we're so not, I'm going to not going to bad mouth Queens because Queens is actually an incredible place. Queens cause like the most languages spoken in a single County. It's, it's amazing. And then we eventually moved out to the burbs. So again, uh, a, 
a young girl growing up in Zurich, dreaming dreaming of the day that she would live on Long Island. So there we are. Oh my gosh. And she didn't convince you that you guys needed to move to Switzerland. So there are a couple of reasons we can't move to Switzerland. One is I um, can't practice medicine there. Okay. Right. And two is I don't speak Swiss German. So interesting thing about Switzerland, they all speak different. They're, they're like four main languages spoke. One is Romanche, um, which is its own language. And then there's Italian, French, and German. The the German dialect, though, is called Swiss German, and it's basically like Creole. Like it's only spoken, it's not written, it's only understood by the Swiss. It changes which canton you're in. Whoa. Um, and so you can't, there's no like Rosetta Stone for Swiss German. So you can learn German because that's what they learn in school. They, their books are in German, it's called High German. Their books are, but, but uh, it's like impossible to learn Swiss German. So I'm trying to get, we're trying to get my kids to learn it. And whenever I turn on the TV, I turn on um, like Sesamstrasse, which is Sesame Street in Hochdeutsch, in, in High German. But because Swiss German is so different, you know, my wife speaks to them in Swiss German, they answer back in English. I don't know if they're retaining anything from the High German. So. We're trying, we're trying. Okay, so this is the same issue I have here because we try to speak to my children in Spanish, but they answer back in English. So, I mean, it seems like, so the, So your kids probably understand the Swiss German, but I can imagine how many other people speak Swiss German in on Long Island. Yeah, like none. So, and it's not like her family's nearby. Her family is far away. She has a sister who lives in Philly, uh, but then the rest of the family lives in, in Switzerland. So when they come to visit, it, it's really tempting for them to speak to the kids in English because that's what they really understand the best. But we try to really make as much of it happen as possible. I mean, they're probably understanding it and it is developing a certain different parts of their brain creating those neural pathways, right? That's what we're hoping. Who knows? Who knows? Because when they watch TV, they might just be watching because it's enter because it's stimulating, not because they're actually understanding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when you okay, so when you guys met your first date from match.com, were you in training? Tell me a little bit about that. No, I was in attending. You're in attending. So okay. I was I was done with my training. I had moved to Manhattan. Um my practice is on Long Island. So I've always commuted from or I started out rather commuting Manhattan to Long Island, which is not so convenient. But as one of my co-residents said, the suburbs is where youth goes to die. So I wasn't ready for that. I was single. So you live in, you know, you live in Manhattan. So um, that's what I was doing. And most of my friends at that point were no longer single. So I spent a lot of my time doing online dating. Mm. I was an online dating prostitute. Like <laughs> I would go on tons and tons of these online dates and then i get frustrated i'd stop doing it does that mean you actually went to go meet with them or you're just talking online no no no. so i i eventually what i figured out was that um people don't intentionally misrepresent themselves i think a lot of the time but the impression that you get isn't always so i, I wouldn't have these prolonged courtships i would just like all right let's set up a date and meet and see if it works and if it doesn't work next um rather than like talking and messaging and talking and messaging and talking and messaging so ah okay so you like went on a hundred dates there was a movie yes i went on a ton of dates okay okay so then how did you know that she was the one because after i met her 
I continued seeing other people. I continued going on online because it's not like I met her and on the first date I was like, this is magical. This is the one. Like, this is, but like I would continue going on dates and I'd be like, it would be torture. And then I'd hang out with her and it would be awesome. And then I'd go on another date with someone else and it would be torture. And then I'd go out with her and it'd be awesome. And it was just so, it was, there was such ridiculous contrast. I so looked forward to seeing her and hanging out with her and spending time with her that it became very clear very quickly how different my relationship with her was than it had been with. And right, there's statistical significance to this, right? Because I had, I had a large N. <laughs> so the large N gave me a lot more evidence that she was the one. Oh my gosh, yes. How large was this N, Bradley? You, know, you don't want to know. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, so so you're saying, what you were saying is it wasn't like, so that first date, it was not magical. It wasn't like she was the one, but because you kept, you know, getting out there and you're like, oh, I hate this. This is torture. And with her, it just felt right. Yeah, and no, listen, I had a good time. I mean, we had a good time, but there wasn't some like, there wasn't this like, oh, right? Angels singing when she walked in the room. I mean, she's wonderful. She's beautiful. She continues to be all of those things. Um, and, you know, when I don't know how this is coming off. Am I, do I sound, uh, is she going to hate it if she listens to this? I don't know. Perfect, I think, because some people think that when you meet the one, like here, some people will tell you, I knew it. I knew. I met the person and I knew that was it. But that's not everybody, right? Not yeah. everybody knows. But when, like, when I, okay, I'll tell you, when I met Victor, like, it took us another four years. It took me another four years to tell him, yes, I love you too, you know? So, yes, was there this aha moment? Mm, the, I, this is what I think. I think is that I didn't, I had the same as you. I kept trying to like other people and I hated it. I never wanted to hang out with the other person, the other people. I was like, I just want to be by myself. When I was with Victor, I was like, yeah, when can, can we hang out tomorrow? Right? Yeah. So yeah. No. You'd much rather be with, yeah, it's always, it's, you'd much rather be with that person than not with that person. Yes. And it continues and it continues to be that way. Um, it was actually similar with my kids. People are like, yeah, when the kid is born, it's just this magical moment. And yeah, it was, there was some magic to it, but like we nurtured that feeling like the, the, like I love my kids more and more. Certainly there are peaks and there are valleys, uh, <laughs> depending on what's going on. But, but like, it wasn't that like the kid was born and the angels sang. No, the kids were like, great. I'm excited. I'm a dad. They, they're cute. But then the more time goes on, the more we fell in love with our kids and the more I fell in love with my wife. No, exactly. And that's the thing is it, that's why some, I think um, moms get like distraught or because when they have these kids, these kids and they're sleep deprived and they're trying to feed them and they won't eat and they're trying to change all the poopy diet or like all these things. And it's like, well, where's this magical moment? It's like, well, as you know, you just love them more and more every day. They actually do get cuter and cuter every day. I didn't think that was possible, but yeah, they get cuter and cuter every day. 
And, and I feel like that bond, right. As they grow older, it just, it just deepens. I mean, you can nurture it or you cannot, but it has the potential to just deepen. And I know for Victor, um, I am like totally head over heels all about babies. And he loves when they can interact with him. And finally, like, you know, he can be that dad. Same, same. Yeah. 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 I didn't, you know, I didn't breastfeed. My nipples are non-functional, so they're ornamental. So I didn't, you know, there's not that bond. Um, and since my wife breastfed, like they, they had this very close bond at the beginning. And with the first kid, it was challenging because then I'm like orbiting the relationship, but I'm not in the relationship. Uh, and then the, the bigger he got, the more we could do. And then when the second kid was born, then now I've got this great relationship with the older one. And that's, that happened with all three is I would always be tighter with the older one. And the youngest one was just relegated, not relegated. That's what my wife took care of him. Right. And then I had the other one. And then when the third was born, I had the other two. So I, you know, got tight with them and then wasn't so tight with the youngest, but now that they're all, now that my youngest is two, you know, then we're all. And this is all normal. This is all just say that all these feelings and emotions are normal. So let's leap back to your three kids. How do you, how did you do that? Cause what ages were, how close did you have them together? And would you recommend it for other people? And how do you do it? No, I don't <laughs> recommend it at least now. Um, so the, the first two are 18 months apart and the second two are 21 months apart. So okay. the distance between the first and third are, and I know this math doesn't work out, odd number, even number, just because of rounding, but uh, three years and four months apart. So they're, they're very close in age. And the reason we did it is because I was 40 when the last was born. And so, you know, I, we, we wanted to have them close together for that reason, but also because we recognize it would be more painful on the front end, but it would be easier on the back end. Because now, especially with COVID, right? The older two were able to interact with each other, were able to entertain each other, were, were able to distract each other. So we're able to learn from each other, like learning, leaving them alone and letting them interact with each other, I think is, it seems to us because we're physicians, like, but they're not accomplishing anything. They're not learning anything. And it's completely wrong. They're learning social interaction. They're learning give and take. They're learning sharing. They're learning all these things. So, so it's fine. You know, scroll on Instagram as long as they're not within view and let them do their thing because they're learning, they're learning their interaction. So, so, but back to your question, um, you know, would I recommend it? It's, it's tough. It's tough. And it was really tough for us because the baby was four months old when COVID started. So then it was just us two in the house with no help. And we didn't have any family support because my parents were afraid, you know, older, they're afraid of getting sick. Her parents weren't, or, or, you know, or don't live nearby. And so it was just, and any help that we had, because we do have someone who is our, I don't even know what her title would be, because she started off as just that the housekeeper, house cleaner, right? And then became the babysitter. So now she like helps with everything. Um, and so we could, we didn't have her. So it was just the two of us with three that were very small, not being able to send them to school. And it was tough. It was really tough. So, yeah. So now they're back in school, but they all just three happen to be sick today. Yes. Today they happen to be all home from school because they're sick. They have snotty, runny noses. Yeah. When you, so you were attending, when you married your wife, how did she, um, 
fit into your full, I mean, cause you're a full-time ENT surgeon, right? Yeah. So yeah. how does, how did that work? And did she just understand what it was like to be a physician? Um, is she still learning? Are you guys still learning how to do it together? Well, here's the thing. I, th I think that nobody can really get it. If you're not a physician, I think you're, there, there are certain things about what we do and about what we see all day that people just don't and can't understand unless they're immersed in it. She understands what I do. She knows what I spend my time doing. But, um, and then th the thing is, I don't take a ton of call. So the way that my call schedule works, because that's really the challenge, because everything else with being a physician, like I go to work and I come home from work and what happens in the middle wouldn't be any different for her if I was an accountant or a lawyer or whatever. I'm just, whatever it is, I'm just gone, right? Uh, call is different. But the way my call schedule works is one out of every three weeks during the week, I'm on call for just my practice patients. And they, you know, they really don't call that often. Um, and then on the weekends, we take a little bit of a larger call schedule, but that's once every eight weeks. And then four weeks out of the year, I'm on call for the hospital. And that's just, that can just be awful. So four weeks out of the year, yeah, that's where it really gets stressful with on call, with three kids at home, with everything. It just, you know, they're waking us up in the middle of the night and my phone is waking up at some moment and I got to leave and I got to, you know, drain a peritonsillar abscess or stop a peritonsillar or stop a post-tonsillectomy bleed or something. So yeah, that's where she, she, she gets it right. She doesn't like resent it or anything. She's always like, answer the phone in the room. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go downstairs and answer the phone. She's like, no, you're fine. Just like, so she's, she's really great about it. She's really great about it. She, she gets it. She wants me to stop taking call, but it's not. I'd like to, I'd like to stop taking call too. <laughs> yes. As would we all, oh my gosh, you'd have to like be, you'd have to be just like a independent contractor. You come in just for the, the surgeries, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So do you guys have any systems set up in place to make things easier for you now that the pandemic has kind of calmed down and kids are back into school? Systems. Um, so at one point we sat down and we delegated, we just wrote down what our responsibilities are within the family. That was just a one-time conversation because it was getting it just things evolved over time and they ended up being what they were. And it caused a little bit of friction where one thought that they were doing more than the other. So we decided to just sit down and write down what our responsibilities are and make sure that everyone's on the same page with who does what. Ah, okay. That's yeah. smart. And so that, that was one system. Is that easy to like follow or do you guys ever have to tweak that? Or It was more just a way of having the conversation of who does what. Oh, okay. It's not like that you have to check to see whose turn it is to d do something. There's some things that we share, but okay. um, there's some things that are solely one person's responsibility. Well, and how do you find time with the three young kids to um, nurture your relationship? Like, do you do you hire uh, babysitters? Do you go on dates or out of town together? Or do you just like try and find that time with the kids running around? Yeah, we don't. We don't. That's something we need to work on. Uh, so, yeah, we haven't had date night in a long time. Uh, we, we had a date night with another couple uh, a week or two ago, but that's something that rarely happens and part of that's because of COVID and part of that's just because of our own you know we don't we, we just haven't put the effort in to do it uh we did have a day a little while ago where where I took the day off and we just decided to 
And we just had a day date and it was great and it was amazing. Yeah. Um, and then at night we, that's, you know, after the kids are bed, our kids, we put our kids to bed pretty early. We put our kids to bed at like seven, seven thirty. Um, so that, that gives us some time, but that's a lot of times the time that I'll spend podcasting or doing like admin stuff from work. So it's not like I can spend that time with her. Um, and then now she's got these classes she teaches. She teaches baking and pasta making classes at night sometimes. So maybe she's away doing that. So we don't have, it's not like, you know, the kids are in bed and then it's just the two of us, but any night that we're not doing those things, that's what happens. And we have a bunch of shows that we watch. So we just sit down and watch TV together. But every so often, we'll, we won't watch TV and we'll just talk. Maybe that happens once every two months. Well, it sounds like you're just not giving yourself enough credit. Like, at least you can push your kids to sleep by 730. Like, that in itself sounds like a miracle to me. And I think probably a lot of other parents. So at least you get to, like, right, fill your own cup. Do your yeah. podcast she gets to do her baking and pasta making classes and then you have those few days that you can watch shows together or talk um but i mean some people don't even have that so i think we should be giving yourself some more credit well thank you i'll give myself a little <laughs> pat on the back and then let's talk a little bit about financials just because this is medicine marriage and money so how do you guys are you in charge of the finances does she pay the pills do you decide like what you guys spend and invest together or what does that look like? So a while ago we sat down and we drew up a budget. Um, wasn't really a budget. It was more like this is, these are our spending habits and our spending habits are well below our means. So we didn't really have to budget. We didn't really have to say, we're going to limit ourselves on this. We're going to limit ourselves on that. We're going to limit ourselves because we already are, are just spending habits are such that we are living below our means. So we are saving. And so we didn't, we didn't have to do that. The other thing that we did was we, we didn't have separate bank accounts. We don't, we started off with separate bank accounts. Um, and it was when she was working, but once she had our oldest and she stopped working, then we had to figure out like, was, was money going to be transferred on a regular basis from my account where the checks are deposited to her account, which is like an allowance. And that was, so that we ultimately, we decided, and the, one of the reasons we wanted to do that was because if you're buying a gift for another person, it should come from your account, right? So if she's, but ultimately we decided if we can't just merge our accounts, then we need to have some serious conversations about spending. So the fact that we are able to merge, just have one checking account for both of us, and there's no questions about spending, uh, ended up being the way that we decided to work things rather than having separate accounts. It sounds like it just makes things more, a lot more simple. It does. It does. And it's, it, and I think, I guess I'm repeating myself, but the, 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 the reason is because it's important to be on the same page. And if you're, and if you have separate accounts, then you don't necessarily have to be on the same page. But if you're on in the same account, then you need to be on the same page. You need to have some tough conversations in order to get there. Because I think by having separate accounts, sometimes you can avoid having those conversations that are important. I mean, yeah, it sounds great because you guys are aligned anyway. It, it, you've decided we don't even need a budget because we save so much. It doesn't even, right? Like so a lot of people think, wait, well, everybody needs a budget, but 
if you don't even actually spend that much and you're able to create, you know, your blanket of security, and you've got an income or good cash flow, then, then maybe, maybe you're good. Right. But you, you've, you've looked at that. So that's beautiful. Okay. So we're coming to the end of the interview. And is there anything else you want to leave with our, with our audience about medicine, ENT, marriage, parenting, or money? Um, check out my podcast, Physician's Guide to Doctoring, um, where, where I cover everything. I stole, I lifted this from Ted Lasso, but the goal is to get you, to, to help you become the best version of yourself in and out of the exam room. So we cover, you know, right, wide range of topics. And actually something that I do with my wife is she helps me come up with questions for my guests. So it's a way of involved, you know, it's another way of connecting with her. And also she's really good at it and has, because she's not a physician, she has a different perspective that I wouldn't think of. And even though the audience is physicians, still, she's got a lot of good ideas. And actually my wife was partially the inspiration for doing the podcast because she'll go to a cocktail party and float around talking to everybody. And at the end, everybody feels like she's their best friend. I will have a drink and a scowl and stand against the wall, hoping that nobody talks to me. So, but what she has is a skill. It's a learnable skill. So how do you learn it? There are people out there teaching it, but most of them at the time were just teaching it to people who were dating or in sales or executives. Nobody was teaching it to physicians. It was just mostly just other physicians that were teaching communication to physicians. But there's all these communication experts out there. There aren't physicians that can help us. So I was like, how do I get access to them? All right, I'll start a podcast. So that was part of the, she was part of the inspiration for doing the podcast. Okay. Okay. So that is beautiful. So she's basically like your muse. Yes, she, she was and continues to be. Oh my gosh. That's so sweet. I can't believe she helps you write your questions too. I'm going to have to talk to Victor about that. He's going to be like, no way. <laughs> well, and she's going to help me with other things. I think, you know, we're one thing I'm going to be talking to you about is short-term rentals and she's got just a knack for like design. Uh, you know, when we renovated our, our home, what flooring are we going to use? What paint colors are we going to use? What like finishings and stuff? And I just like couldn't care less. For me, it was the the architecture, the the flow, the design, the wall where the walls are. Where's this? So, um, you know, she's got this like hospitality touch to her. Yeah. So when we do short term rentals, like she's total. She's one of the reasons I'm excited about using that as a way to um, diversify our cash flow because. Like I, she's not going to get excited about a syndication on an apartment building, right? Like, no, but I can get her involved with short-term rentals. So, so the fact that I just want to diversify somehow and get into real estate and that's going to get her on board and we'll be able to do it together. So that's why I'm going to do it that way. Cause otherwise if I, if I do like apartments, multifamily housing, that's just more time I'm spending away from her, Right. As opposed to if we do it together, it's more time I'm spending with her. That's exactly the same thing why I love doing real estate with Victor, because it's something that we do together, even though he's like, well, we can't do everything together. But I mean, we do. We we do. That does kind of bring it. That was like what we did before we had kids. We would go to real estate meetup happy hours and block properties together. And yeah. 
Yeah. So it's, it's, I mean, we would, we enjoyed doing it when we were looking for a house and now we're going to enjoy doing it in this way. And it feels less like work because I'm doing it with her. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned that and about your, how your podcast is really all about um, communication, right? Being the best version of herself in and out of the classroom and out of the exam room. Yeah. Um, because I was looking at um, some of your more recent podcasts and the one I wanted to go back and re-listen to was the how to talk to your patients. Uh, I forget who was it, who was like this motivational speaker talking to your patients about getting vaccines and how it's oh, important. He is, no, he's actually a, um, he's a psychiatrist and he, he uses motivational interviewing which was originally for addiction medicine. So when you're trying to get your patient to stop using, um, you have to use their own rationale and help walk them through their own reasoning, not your reason for them doing it, but their reason for doing it. So you can flip that and use that for vaccine hesitancy. And that actually came before coronavirus. That's already being used in the newborn nursery with new parents who are hesitant about vaccines for their kids. So they're already employing it there. And now we can use the same same um, technique with our patients in the office. So. Yeah, I love this. I'm gonna re, I, I already listened to it once. I'm gonna re-listen to it. And I also think you can use it in your marriage too. And with your kids, with your own kids. Yes, yes. And it needs to be practiced. So your kids are perfect to practice it on. Yes. Okay, and to close out, as my last question I ask all of my guests is, what is your definition of marital interdependence? And I like to rephrase this for some guests who may have, I mean, marital interdependence is not a common term. So to me, I kind of think of it as what makes a marriage successful. Don't keep score. Don't keep score. Because if you're keeping score, that means that you're doing it tit for tat, right? You're doing it for your, whatever it is you're doing, you're doing is the expectation is that they're gonna then do something in return. But you shouldn't be thinking of it like that. You should be doing it because you're trying to do something for them. So if you're constantly thinking, what can I do to make life better for this other person? That's not keeping score. And that's a healthier way to think about it rather than how come I'm always doing this for you and you're never doing this for me? Yes, I love it. What can I do to make life better for my spouse? Beautiful. What an amazing episode with Dr. Bradley Block. Oh my gosh, I have so many take-home points. I actually have five, so number one. Don't keep score. <laughs> as, he, as he told us as he was ending, this is a beautiful point and it can be hard to do because when you're running around and you're trying to get home and cook dinner really quickly and then clean up the kitchen and get the kids into the tub and then tucked into bed and your spouse may still be at work or maybe they're not at work. Maybe they, they had a late night get together with some random friends or had a Zoom session or something uh, at home. And you're like, okay, if only I was in their place, you know, and now I'm doing it again. I'm running around like a crazy person trying to keep the household together. I just wish he would or she would help out. That's keeping score. So just stop, just drop it right now and decide what you're doing is what you want to be doing and not 
what you have to be doing or what you need to be doing. So figure out how you can create the things, the activities that are already in your life, the responsibilities and the jobs in your life, your roles, something that you actually want to do and cherish doing. And if you don't want to, then stop. If you don't want to cook the dinner, if you don't want to clean up, if you don't want to bathe the kids, if you don't want to read them bednight stories, tuck them in, put them to sleep, then stop doing it and find somebody else who will. Number two, find inspiration from your spouse. Use your spouse as your muse. If you're feeling stuck or stagnant in life or perhaps unfulfilled or ungrateful and you just don't know how to get out of it, instead of being jealous or envious of the people who do seem to be fulfilled and grateful, let's just turn to the person you love, the person you fell in love with and married and, and use them as your muse. What, what quality do you truly admire in them and how can you use them as your catalyst for something great? Number three, sometimes the children need to figure things out on their own. Helicopter parent, tiger mom. Well, sometimes those things are looked at as, as good in some parenting circles or certain cultures. And sometimes they may be normal and sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're, oh, you're thinking of overbearing. Well, what can you do to let the children in your life, your children, figure things out on their own? Think that they're always like pestering and bickering or fighting and you feel pressured to leap in there and stop them so they don't like bang each other outside, bang each other upside the head with their books or toys or cause a mess in the living room or in their bedrooms. Just let them, let them do it. What's the worst that could happen? They're learning how to interact. They're learning social interaction. Don't feel guilty for not intervening immediately or wait. Wait for a few minutes until things get really, or maybe before they get too out of hand. But oftentimes we jump in right when it starts, right immediately when it starts. Children need to figure things out on their own. That's the only way they're going to live. That's the only way they're going to be able to deal with conflict as they become middle schoolers and high schoolers and college age kids and then move away and maybe never come back. Let them figure things out on their own. Number four, there was always more room for love. Are you feeling a little envious or jealous because you think somebody loves, you know, is, is more loving? Say you have a, a, a sibling and you think maybe your parents love them better or they're the favorite. I mean, what? why, why the need for that comparison? There's always more love. You don't have to rate somebody's love for you versus somebody's love for somebody else. There's always more of it. It's not going to run out. It's not like... The last love bottle was just sold at the grocery store because Snowmageddon is coming or another wave of COVID is happening or you, whatever it is. It's not going to run out. You don't have to hoard it. You don't have to protect it. Just give it freely and accept it freely. You may be surprised at the results. Number five. It doesn't feel like work because I'm doing it with her. Oh, I loved when Bradley said that. Do you ever feel like you're doing something with your spouse? And if you were doing it alone, it would have been grueling, dreadful, like just you would not want to do it. I feel like that all the time, <laughs> particularly when we do real estate stuff or taxes or 
start, I, I don't know, just start projects that I would never want to start on my own. It, it never feels like work when I'm doing it with Victor because I'm doing it with him. And when we first got married, I, you guys have probably heard me say this before. I used to want to do everything together. And he'd be like, hey, Kate, we cannot do everything together. We're never going to get anything done if we do everything together. And it's because I just prefer doing things with him. I always have. I used to grow up doing things with my mom all the time. As an only child, I would do things with my mom or I do things with my best friend. And and it just never felt like work that way. Life was, that's why I just love, I, I, I prefer life with those I love. So do you feel that way? Or how can you feel that way? Make the hard things not feel like work because you're doing them with somebody you love. And I hope you walk away asking yourself, what can I do to make life better for my spouse? How can I be the best version of myself inside the exam room? How can I create the best version of myself at home with my spouse? Which aspect of my life do I keep score of and how can I stop? And what feels less like work when I do it with the one I love? And that is it, my sweet friends. I hope you fly away and share this with somebody who actually really needs to hear it. Give me a review, shout out on app iTunes so that other people can have a better chance of seeing this episode. Subscribe so you don't miss any and reach out to me. I'm always available on Instagram at Medicine, Marriage and Money and my Facebook group, Medicine, Marriage and Money, where I just share funny memes and talk about marriage and what you all are working on and uh that is it and and also don't forget to join my husband's podcast i mean my husband's community on facebook 39.6 community where he really goes in depth with all the nitty-gritty on finances real estate taxes all that fun stuff that i just skim the surface so thank you so much for listening and staying to the very bitter end uh spread so much love and positivity into your world so much love to you and your spouse. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional, medical, or financial advice. The opinions provided on this podcast are those of myself or the invited guest alone. They do not represent the opinions of any particular institution. Always seek the advice of your physician or financial advisor with any questions you may have of a medical condition or financial plan. This is for your entertainment only.